Uh, what was this chapter about? I'm just curious. <laughs> oh, I read it. I read it, but I was just curious. Well, what was it? What's it really about? I was just curious what it was about. What did you think it was about? It is about, yeah, it's about something else besides what it's titled to be about. So it is in some sense about witness. What else? I was just curious what else. I was, there's at least a couple of things going on here. What else is it about? So it is at least about witness. It is about identity. Um, so it's, it's, I mean, so there's, there's a sort of an internal identity of your family. You're a Christian family, and there is an external witness to other people. What else is it about? It is about, I think that's fair. It is about remembering. You want to talk some more about that? Right, there are ways, there are things that point to, that, that do remind you who you are. Good. What else? Anything else? It is supposed to bring peace to the home. That's right. It's probably worth a try. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> exactly. We're going to nail some stuff on their doors before they get home from school today. But it does, it does. Uh, yeah, well, okay, good. So it is about remembering, it is about peace. What else? Anything else? It's somewhat about, uh, I, well, the one thing I'd have left, that I, it's somewhat about beauty. And I was, uh, I was struck by her little discussion of those, uh, and it's about other things too. I mean, there is probably a difference between buying the, uh, uh, buying your little your little container in Greenwich Village at an art store at an art gallery and making one from a plastic <coughs> toothpaste holder, although you do have to be respectful of those. Uh, it's better to have one of a plastic toothpaste holder than not having one at all. And there is the irreverence of that, the reverent irreverence of that, I suppose. Um, but it is, in some sense, about beauty as well, uh, and and that beauty, in some sense, goes with uh, a whole bunch of things: respect and depth and what's important and uh, you know wh what, sort of, what sort of life you want to have. Uh, uh, a life without beauty is impoverished. Um, you know you don't need beauty to breathe but it's better if you've got it. You know your life's richer with music, richer with poetry, richer with the visual arts. It's just richer and richer. Partly this is a discussion about moving next door into a new space. Partly that's this discussion, I, if you can press that far. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have some discussion about what the new space is going to look like. But beauty is, uh, there's always folks who argue that you, you can sort of, you know, sort of worship in a barn, which is not wrong, it's just not right. Uh, because partly, and this, is, this was I think the last um, sentence of the book, which is that to have such a scroll hanging on your doorpost marks sacred space. And if it really is sacred space, if your sanctuary is sacred space, if your house is sacred space, if your room is sacred space, it's fascinating that, the, that it's nailed to the door wherever you're going to live longer than a month, wherever that space is going to be redeemed uh, for some you know, ongoing use, then that space needs to be different than regular space. So it's all about how you mark that space so that when you're in the space, you live differently. And in saying all the things you've said, nobody said anything about the scriptures yet, and that's okay. 
because all of those things point back to the scriptures, which by this point in the book is presumed that you would receive as God's gift to you. So this is really a question about sanctification. It's a question about how you engage the space or engage the world in which the Lord has put you. And uh, that's, a very, that's a very rich question for going forward, I think. I think it is. Yes, you did, and I noticed how much more accepting of me you've been <laughs> since you had that training, and I'm hoping they'll run it again but soon. It's kind of fascinating because we got up and they said the next hot topic I got is going to be faith, expression of faith in the workplace. <clears throat> and I thought that was way different than what was happening 10 years ago because they, you know, they said, you know what, we've begun to think about the employee as bringing your whole self to work, and your whole self for many of you is <clears throat> that you're a Christian or a and that your expression of faith ought to be, to some extent, allowed in your space. Like, and so I thought that was, I don't know, I was kind of thinking about this in terms of what you'd put in your cubicle. And you're, I mean, they don't want you proselyte, I can never pronounce the word proselytizing, is that right? But they said your whole self ought to be able to come to work and part of you is, if you're a Christian, is that's part of you. And you should, you should have stuff in your cubicle that expresses it is because it's been the it's been the other way around for two or three decades now. Well, right? you know, if the homosexuals or the whatever, I mean, we have all kinds of people expressing themselves, and, and they said, you know what, um, even the white males should be able. To Which this is my favorite part. The new oppressed category is mid middle-aged white males is the newest oppressed class. Yes. Which I would just like all of you to take a moment and ponder that. <laughs> Think about you know how you might do better here at this particular point in your lives. Right. A big old crucifix. Of a what? A wet cat. Do you know that person? Yeah. No, I'm afraid you did. Yes, I was afraid that you did. <laughs> That's right. Yes, right. When you look at, at, at the office or whatever, uh -huh. at the dorm rooms, you can tell a lot about what yeah. someone's guys and important. Actually, it was. Because was this is how you look at the space. end of the day. It's like a cat that just came out of the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A Russian cat. That's right. Why right. Yeah, that's right. What it, given that, what did you think about? Uh, what did you think about the page or two about the distaste for witnessing? It surprised me very much. Did it resonate with you at all? Oh yeah, but I mean, it surprised me. Here's someone that was writing, and it seems like almost has a this this, this need to write and to tell everyone. But it's an in-house exuberance, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. It's in-house. This is it's it's a uh, it's a no because it's um, nobody uh, no pagan is going to pick this book up. 
This is an in, it's a, it's a, it's an inside the ecclesiastical circle. So this is, this is a bit of intramural sport. It's, it's among other Christians or at least other people of faith. I sort of pose that as the, as a, so yes, I, I agree that you're right. Well, even she, she said it, you know, it was, she's exuberant with her other friends, and I read part of the reading, I read all the people that she thanked, and it's interesting that she names names of people and they're real people. So within the, within the can of, of people who are Christian. But what was also surprisingly not to understand is, <clears throat> Right. Why do you think that is? She learned it from the cradle. That could be. Well, she, she's also been on the other side of Christianity, being a Jew, where right. Christians are, I mean, uh, they've gone off the deep end. They're, you know, you, you avoid <laughs> them. I mean, as an Orthodox Jew, right. you, you don't have anything to do with them. I, there were Orthodox Jews that I dealt with Keep going. Go ahead and then go right. I was just going to say, her growing sad book kind of explains her a little better and her journey. And how she's in this world where you know, her friends are Jewish still, her family's Jewish still, and right. she kind of respects, I think, them, yet both Jews being a Christian, being Christian, and it's hard for her there. So I, this book doesn't quite go into all of Lauren Miller. Right. 
Jen, what were you going to say? On page 141, she says, she talks about that sign she found while walking on the Yeah, right, yeah. What are they, bronze things of what? As for me and my house. Oh, yeah, gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. It's a Christianized version of this. It's a Christianized version of this. Right. I wonder if, and I'm I'm probably Carol's very interesting observation, it wasn't embarrassed to be marked as an Orthodox Jew, but she struggled with being. Would it be fair to say that Orthodox Judaism wears its faith. I mean, it's 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 externalized. It, it's 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 the it's the yarmulke. It's the it, 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 it's the identification is an external identification. Whereas, and, and wasn't this part of the dilemma? Was the external identification that wouldn't that couldn't come in? And for Christians, we wind up with this internalized identification that we struggle to have come out. Could be. Well, the example in the book of the, the boy at, uh, at Virginia, you remember the final statement there was, it, it was okay for a Jew to be at the university, which is something. Now, that's an assertion. This is what you said. This is an assertion of there's space for a Jew at this place, which is not a proselytizing action. It's he's simply saying, very much like diversity training, it's okay for being a Muslim in the workplace, it's okay to be a Jew at Virginia, it's okay to be a Christian in the world. I think that we have less problem with that in general as Christians. We have less trouble with identifying ourselves as Christians. If people ask you, you probably say it, and, and we live in a kind of an agree to disagree space. However, I think the Christian thing, the witness thing is very much different from that, and I don't know that she's made a full, a full distinction between those. To just simply say, I'm Jewish, is a very different, Jews don't proselytize. They don't say, I'm Jewish and you should be Jewish too, okay? Christians say, I'm Christian and you should be Christian too. And the struggle is in the witness. The struggle is in the witness. Jews don't in general, in fact, even, you know, the, the Rebbe in, in New York, um, you know, his great thing was to, 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 uh, to uh, even proselytizing Jews, you know, helping make Jews Jewish again was a great big step, right? And I, that, was, that was a great big step. This guy who they thought was, some people think is the, is, the, is the Messiah, right, who died a few years ago and still uh, has quite a lot of influence. So I wanna, I, what I want to press you to is um, I want to press the discomfort, our discomfort of, of giving a witness. And I want to I ask why that's uncomfortable for us. And I wanna, the question behind the question is, if it's uncomfortable for us, is it, is it a mark that perhaps we just have the whole witnessing thing wrong? You know, it's just, just completely wrong, and maybe there's another way into it. I just want to pose the question for you. 
Um, I want to pose the question whether uh, knocking on somebody's door and saying, if you died today, would you go to heaven, is really, which as from anybody my age, you know, that was 20 years of evangelism in the Missouri Senate, right? The, this Kennedy program, right? The, the Missouri Senate. Oh, we absorb everything. We absorb every alien. Like, you know, we take them all in and call, call them our own. Yes. Oh, I see. Ah, ooh, ah, yes, ah. Well, you know, so, but, but my question is, my question is, I, I wonder if, I, I think most, I think most Christians are horribly nervous um, saying to people, giving a witness to people because uh, you immediately say something bad about somebody. You're a damn sinner, Donna. But I can certainly, well, you see now, <laughs> the fix was in. See, you're still, you're still internal, and we need to find somebody on the street. I mean, just, I mean you say I know, but normally that, the result of that would be a punch in the nose. You see, so, so I wonder if, I, I just wonder if, you know, to sort of say to somebody, for, for example, going into your workplace and saying, you know, you're a damn sinner, is not going to be uh, within the uh, diversity guidelines recently established, Okay. So the question is, how do you, how do you, um, I just, this is an honest question, it's sort of a brainstorming question. The question is, how would you cleverly, kindly, easily give, as Paul says, uh, a witness to the face, a defense or a witness to the faith that's in you? And I wonder if we just have it completely upside down or we haven't found a way to do it. And I'm wondering if in this chapter there's an answer to that. Yes, please, Mary. You're just a little tiny sinner. We'll get damned for little tiny sins eventually, but you don't know that yet. Like that. No, I just didn't. Yes, so now, that's actually where I, I, I that's kind of where I want to go. Although even that um, is very brave to kind of put it that way. I'm surprised you can get away with that, but well done. Um, I don't know if I said or not, but I don't. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, yes, right.
mean, I don't think we would have said something if, if our kids hadn't had the ha their hairs yeah. raised. Yeah. So we just said, you know, in our house, we don't take the name of the Lord in vain right. because we disrespect the <laughs> commandments. <laughs> Nine-year-old girl woke up that month. Well, no, and then we explained what he meant. Taking the name. So if you want to say. You actually oh, said that. You did actually say that. Yeah. It's strikingly I mean, good. This is a child. Would I have said that to, you know, a 45-year-old business associate of John that he swore at the table? Or would you have said that to her if her mom was that? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, that's, I, I, that's brilliantly asked, yeah. Actually, in some ways, Right. But now, but now, see, I want to push you to the next. I want to see if I can push you all three to the next step because here, here's the question: the end of the end of witness, or the end of proclamation, or the end of what's going on in the New Testament or in the Old Testament. The end of what's going on there is actually to draw people in, and one might ask in each circumstance: is is what's being said? Drawing people in, or and this is I'm out. You're, uh, or is it spoken in a way? Is the purpose now clearly your purpose? And I, I'm not hear this as I'm not disagreeing with you. Actually, I think that you should be free in a workplace to say that. Larry Hoffman once told me it was a great, uh, a great little story where he just he had a boss or a, he had a boss I think or somebody who used to swear. And really let it go at the, at the, you know. And at some point, Larry said, and this is, not, this, I'll give you a clue into what I'm thinking about. Larry once said to him, he said, you're a strong enough leader that you don't really need to do that. In our, you, you don't really need to do that to get your way, okay? Now, that's brilliantly said. I mean, that is really, that's really well said, okay? Which is kind of what you're saying, which is right. Now, I want to ask a different question. And I, the, your one is probably the easiest one. Your two are more difficult, but you've got a kid at your table. What could you say to that kid? And you did say, and I'm not, and please say this is not being critical. I'm trying to explore, I'm trying to push us out of the law all the way to the gospel, okay? Any of us can say, we don't do that, or that's wrong, or you're offending me, or cut that out, or you're treading on me. Okay, that's one thing. I want to ask the question about, what could it be said to that? Was it a girl, did you say? That must have been interesting, the four boys and this little girl. So that's, we have a whole other dynamic going there. But let's, what could have been said to that little girl that would have made her want more? And th this is kind of the question I want to, I want to get, I'm, someday I want to, at some point in this conversation, I want to circle all the way back to beauty. But I want to ask the question, when somebody says to you, if you die tonight, you're going straight to hell, you don't really want more. You know, eight and ten people don't want more, okay? They don't, which may be one of the reasons why. And this is why beauty is actually, I think beauty may work, and beauty comes in many different forms, and it's where she started. So I would just want to ask all of us together, not you, I'm not putting you on the spot. Yeah, I'm trying to I say, what could we have, good, okay, what, would, well, what could have been said that would make that girl say, really, or could I have some more of that, or whatever do you mean, or your family works like that? So yeah, what, well, what, what might have been... Good. Um, I could have somehow related what she 
right. Part of this conversation is so it's not on the fly. That's right. The reason to have this conversation is so when you get in these spots, you're not on the fly. You're exactly right. So what's the, see my point is, here's my point. This is why I think witnessing goes wrong. Because it immediately sets up an us and them. Because immediately antagonistic. Now we have that in us as Lutherans naturally with this law gospel distinction. It's okay. But you always remember it's a little bit of law, just enough and then the preponderance of the gospel, and that's what we forget. In fact, the law is much more fun, by the way. It's much more fun to put the hammer down on people. But I, I just ask you, what is, if witness is really the interest, which I think, and Jane said this, and I think that's true. So if witness is really the interest, what propels that? So what could you have said to that, to that girl? Now, how old is this girl? Because it's age-specific, too, right? I'll tell you, the one that gets me is, that, I, I peek over my kid's shoulders when I am, and it's, and it's all St. John kid, and it's always OMG all the time. OMG, OMG, which is, you know, and you're like, what's that? We had a, yeah, we but had I don't a, think it is. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, we don't let our kids say that. I mean, well, we, we, discourage that. Yeah. we discourage yeah. anything that's remotely similar to, oh my God, because it's right. safe. Oh dear. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, but, but let, I mean, go ahead. And and so uh, I said to him, I said, "Oh, TJ, you'll lead us in prayer." <laughs> <laughs> and I just smiled and I said, "Well, I thought that's what you." It actually is. It is actually age appropriate, though, and boy appropriate, frankly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Which is going nowhere, right? Yeah. Okay. We were waiting for him. We saw him. Yes, she was. I was going to turn my mother loose on them and then watch the fun. My mother is the only woman in the world who can last, that I know of, who could outlast the Jehovah Witnesses. She's like, oh, good, they're coming. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. they started. I said my husband was a pastor and that was the end of the conversation. Yeah, see. It was interesting that they started out about the, the ugliness in the world and that there's yeah, and actually, and it was just on the heels of something had, something big had just happened. The Virginia Tech thing had just happened. And you think, exactly, yes, right. And sin in the world, and there's another more beautiful way. And I thought, that is an actual great way to start the conversation. It was brilliant, actually. And, and it, which is not like, hey, like, hey, you stink because you're not a Christian. It was like, there's another way that, right. that offers beauty that we'd like you to know about if right. you don't already know about. I thought, right. wow, that, right. that was 
And you know what? I wonder if they were, I, I wonder if they're strategically all teed up ready to go and they sort of deploy as soon as there's a big thing. And frankly, in the world, you don't have to wait very long for a big thing. You get a big thing about every six weeks, right? So you get a huge tornado or you get these shootings or you get a particularly bloody day in Iraq and you're ready to go. So, and that, yeah, that's right. So I wonder if, I wonder if, here's my, pose, I pose my question to you in this way. If you can, in art, in song, in music, in speech, have something that is attractive that makes people question, why that? An icon, for example. Or, frankly, I would hang a crucifix in your cubicle. Or, or, a crucifix may be too much. Maybe, maybe it's, um, serene, peaceful teaching Jesus, or particularly loving, you know, some, something that, something is naturally attractive. Yes, please. Well, one of my short teaching career, I taught two years in public school and two years in private school. Yeah. And having grown up in private schools, it was a shock to me, especially to be the one in charge, not to be able to talk like the kids did. And Josh and I talked about this a lot, because he said, not that you're not allowed, you just have to be careful how you do it. But especially teaching high school where discipline is a huge issue and behavior and you know, kids are coming in and talking about what they did on their weekends. And in Christian school, you're free to talk about how this reflects on you as Christians. But at the public school, I mean, what do you say? How do you address these issues? And, and it was a real challenge for me to go to this public high school and, you know, figure out how I was going to I was without getting in trouble. I was terrified of getting called into the principal's office. And I, one thing I did do was I had an icon, it was very, very small, from Jose. Um, it's very rustic. It's striking. It's not particularly one of the gold embossed. It's very plain. Right. And it's called Jesus and his friends, or in Spanish, Jesus y su amigos. And um, it, you wouldn't know it was religious necessarily. They're both the same height, and Jesus has his arm around this guy who looks kind of like an apostle. And I had so many kids talking, saying, what is this? It didn't look like your typical, you know, Catholic. They couldn't initially nail me to the wall as one thing or another. Right. And I had a lot of questions about that. That was the only thing I really had on my desk that reflected anything in the room that reflected anything about my faith. And they would ask lots of questions. And then as we would talk about life and they would want to get to know me as their teacher, that was also another chance. Josh and I were just getting married and we didn't live together. And the kids couldn't figure that out. <laughs> Why don't you don't live? What do you mean you have to move into an apartment? I don't, you're not, they really could not get their minds around some of these things that I would talk about. And it was neat to see how just simply the way that I lived and one small piece of art opened all these doors out, I mean, obviously this wasn't necessarily while I was teaching, but you know, during free time, I was fascinated to see how they responded to that and how I didn't have to, because I'm always afraid of coming off as the wacky Christian. Having watched The View now this week, I don't want to be Elizabeth Hasselbeck. I feel really bad for her because she's been labeled. Um, and it's, that's the hard thing for me is not to fall into, and you don't want to be the, the Catholic with the sacred heart on your wall either. Have you have you told Josh that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I just didn't know. I was <laughs> but you know, I mean, how what kind of? It's not even a matter of being a Christian. 
Either one, Anna, go ahead. Well, you got to get the demons out. But I do think beyond your own life, I think the other, the other part of it is you do prompt the question because you've told people already at your door. They might, they might mistake you for just a nice woman otherwise. Does that make sense? So, so I think you're right. I think it's both of those things. So not just that you're a nice woman. It's that you're a nice woman and here's the reason why I'm the nice woman, you see. But good. Well, I think it was perfect. 
I thought, well, I think now, that was... Now you can hear it all. Oh, my! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and when she does, and if that's in her presence, I'm going to look at my mom and my mom will... Right. I mean, she'll, she'll know, but it's but, still but like a hard thing. Yes, please. I was just going to say, what do you say when you hear children and other people uh, confused the name of the Lord? Um, do you say, um, would it be offensive to say, well, we, we know the Lord is with us, or something to that effect, and, and why are we afraid to do that? I, I struggle with that. You know, well, I think the question is, what, what, are we, what are we trying to do? And I think, here's the thing. It's not difficult for any of us, it's not difficult for any of us to sort of put other people under the law. But I sort of want to, I'm seeing if I can press you past that. Um, and even with, your, even with your comments, too, about, you know, what you say to kids. I, and, and, and the thing is, that it, <coughs> this, is how, this is how the excitement of my day, you know. I can't, because I have an IM on my computer, <coughs> I always get the AOL web screen this morning. Which, and I don't know how to stop it from coming up, so I always get what they think I need to know. What they thought I needed this morning was the latest on Lindsay Lohan. I don't know if you know this, but her new boyfriend may be too wild for her. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> now, this is the woman who was just voted by Maxim as the ultimate woman in America, okay? So you got to just, oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, it's Maxim. Okay, so, um, but I looked at her. How old is she? Does anybody know how old she is? I mean, I looked at this picture. Honest to God, this is, this is the, the picture that they put up. My first reaction was, she looks like she's worn out. She looks like she's 45. And I'm thinking, man. So, so I mean, so here's the thing. Yeah, exactly. She does. She looks like she's 45. Well, she's, but she's like 20 or something. She's 20. I mean, there's nothing wrong with looking like you're 45 when you're 45. There's nothing wrong with that. Here it is. Now, see, here it is. No, I'm not backing up. I stand my ground on this. If you, if you're, if you're 20 and you look like you're 45, there is something wrong. She's tired. She, yeah, she's, it's, it's, it's too many late nights, too much, I mean, you just look like, man, rode hard and put away wet. Well, I just, I just, uh, it's from, it's a ranching expression. Uh, so, no, what I was going to say about her is, is one of the things you can say to kids like this is, I, see, the thing is you have to pick your spots. One of the things you can say, say that'll be the end of you. Why don't you do that? Because why don't you live together? Because that'll ruin you. And you just sort of let that go. Now, you said four words, but you've left it in a, you haven't offended them, and you haven't judged them. You've just sort of fact of the matter said, that'll be the end of it. Or, you know, what you say to this little girl is, uh, you know, she, she sort of says, she says, what, what exactly did she say? She said, oh, my God, that's what she, she said. She says, um, uh, you, you might just say, do you believe in God? And, and then see what she says. Now, that's not to be judgmental or sort of push her in any direction. It's simply to sort of pose the question, right? So what, what I think needs to happen is we need to, one is we need to get over the notion of so, saying to people, you're going to go straight to hell. And two, we need to get over the notion of feeling better, or making ourselves feel better. I completely agree with you that you do need it sometimes with adults to protect your space. Okay, I completely agree with that. That's a different conversation. And I don't think you should be subject to things like that. And, and, I, but that, that's a, and that may be a different conversation unless you're extraordinarily clever and think you can turn that on a dime. And I think, you know, Larry's example of that, I mean, what I, and that's about the best one I've ever heard of, 
you know, he was able to sort of stop the guy and preserve some civility. And, but that was a different conversation. The conversation, and it's a good conversation. The conversation I want to have with you, though, is like your icon is a great example. Who, by the way, who's the other guy? Is it meant to be anybody or it's meant to be everybody? everybody. Okay, good. I was just curious. Absolutely. So he's, who is that? And which, exactly. So it prompts the question of who's that guy, right? Well, the answer is, well, it's you if you want. Now, there's a way of saying that to people. You see, so, so partly we have to get past the notion of, because what you do is when you say you're going straight to hell, immediately you distance. There's, there's you guys and there's us guys, right? And us guys are really good and you guys are really bad, but someday if you grow up and be really nice, you could be like us. How, how helpful is that? It's not very helpful. What people want is, what, you know what that little girl wants? She wants your dinner table. That's what she wants. You know what, you know what people want? They want your relationship with Josh. That's what they want, okay? What people who come to your door want, they want your space. That's what they want. And so you create an entry into your space. The icon creates an entry. Your door thing creates an entry. How you treat that little girl creates. You can say, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. We don't talk that way in this house. You can say that. Or you can say, really, do you believe in God? And then she says, yes. You said, well, we all believe in God, too. Or she says, no, you don't. Well, your life is so much nicer if you do. And then stop. And then she sits there and she thinks to herself, really? What have I been missing all these years? Yes, let's please, Donna, and then go over here.
when my mother is done with the Jehovah's Witnesses, I'm going to let you have a go. <laughs> yes, please. So I'm driving the fourth graders to go bowling yesterday because that's what I do. And they got to pick the radio station. And I can't remember what they picked, but they picked. And I, as, soon as, I, as soon as they picked, I thought to myself, this is going to be extraordinarily interesting. <laughs> it was some rap hip-hop station. And I thought, as soon as it clicked on, <clears throat> they all sang along, which caused me to muse about a lot of things, including why they can't learn memory work. <laughs> and one of them, one of them was even in Spanish, and there was a Shakir. They're swinging in Spanish and in English, and they can they know it in Spanish and in English. I'm so proud of our Saint John children for being bilingual. <clears throat> and then I, you know, I let it play a little bit because I just wanted to just sort of. So the thing, I just wanted to see how far it would go. I mean, I just sort of let it go a little bit, and then I switched to something else. But I, it was just an experiment for me. One is they were daring me. I mean, they were sort of daring me because you know I, they they were daring me to see if I would put it there. So I did. And then I was just listening to see how much they, kids reveal themselves in so many different ways. I you know. Oh, come on. Well, we can put them in the car this afternoon and drive around the block and that we'll, we'll test them out. They may know more than you know. So, so partly it is, yeah, it is this thing about, you know, kids know what you don't believe. And, you know, I hear my kids, you know, I, I hear my kids and, you know, it may be my wife who is the one who peeks at their web pages and reads through their email and stuff. I would never do that, but I'm glad that somebody in the house does. So it's, there's until they're 18. <laughs> you got to be sneaky. But, but, 
But I just, I just, I just, I just want to say, I, I think this is an ongoing conversation. It's too easy simply to say, well, we'll just have none of that now. But because here's the thing, I just want to, I just want to pose the question to you: Is there another way that accomplishes what you actually want to accomplish? And have we been particularly effective at this? And I think per perhaps we haven't. And I think, I think the problem is for us: it always comes out under the law rather than the gospel. And so, what you want people to do? The icon is such a great. Because what you want people to do is say, what's that? Or you want that girl to say, why are your boys? My guess is that your four boys treat that girl unlike uh, any other four boys in the neighborhood. If you put them anywhere else, any other, gather any other four boys within a six-block radius, except maybe the geezer children. And, and you, know, you, you know, put them at the table with that girl, and your boys are going to treat her. And she should go home saying, now I wonder why. And I wonder why I'm treated. And I just wonder if we shouldn't pursue this. And now we're getting, getting close here. But... I think, in a backhanded way, beauty is a way of doing this. And beauty recognized in different ways, in relationships, in artwork and poetry and music, in the, sense of, the essence of a space. People walk into your house, what, is, what do they smell? They smell beauty. They, what, they, what do they feel? They, there's a different, there's something different in the air. And we, um, frankly, I think have not been very good at that. And I think, going back to the book, I think if I would push her a little bit farther, I think that's the thing that she didn't quite recognize, even though it seems like a very small step for her because her life is so much engaged in beauty, and she's a beautiful writer, and she recognizes all these other things. So I just, I just want to pose it to you if there's a different way to proceed, and it's often a, le it's a shorter way. You know, do you believe in God too, or who's that? Or, you know, you do that, and that'll be the end of you. Or even, hey, can I come down and pray with you? I mean, here's the thing. They know what you're talking about. You don't have to tell them more than that. They know what you're talking about, right? And I just wonder if we, and, and I think we do have to do it in advance. I think you have to think about it in advance. When people say, you know, why should I be Christian? I, I sometimes say, well, have you got any sins? And then the, there's the, then the people self-sort. Yes, I do. No, I don't. No, I don't is extraordinarily difficult to deal with. Those are the people I, I offer to follow them around for 48 hours with a video camera, you know, this is then do some analysis, some play-by-play, some -play, stop action. But people say, yes, I do. And they say, well, you know, what are you doing with those? Or it must be heavy to carry that around with you. Or you, could you ever come free of that? And, and there's ways to talk to people or, where, or kids, where are you going to end up? I mean, that, that photograph, go look at it. If you pull up, it must be, I don't know what even, it must be AOL.com. Go look at that photograph of her. It's a frightening photograph. It is frightening to have somebody who's 20 or 21 years old look like that. It, it's, it's, when you look at that you, and you say to kids, do you want to end up like that? And the initial answer will be yes, because they will associate it with America's Next Top Model. But the long-term answer should be no. The long-term answer should be no about that. You were going to say something a while ago. We didn't. Were you or no? You want to say something now? No, you don't. <laughs> yes, you do. Go ahead. Bible was out, her Sunday school materials, because she was 
always teaching Sunday school, and she'd ask if I was singing in the choir, and I'd have to be like, no. <laughs> Didn't want to tell her I wasn't going to church. Uh, but she just had tremendous inner beauty, and I I didn't know how to get it, right. but I knew I wanted that, and that, for me, that you are my icons. I look at you and I see that inner beauty, and it just touches me so much. And that's, I think that's what people, when people see that in us, they want that. They just hang around here at work. They, they, they. I say, oh, my stars and garters all the time. <laughs> because when I was with my more secularized parents, always said this to me. All the time. So I had to find something that started with an S. And frankly, that has always and frightened really me, that expression. I don't know where that comes enough from. Enough oomph out of it. So it was like, oh, my stars and garters. And I say that all the time at work. And, and it just, people around me at work know that if they say, said nothing. Right. I, I don't talk about it, but they know she says, oh, my stars and garters. So, why isn't he it's saying, absence. oh, my G, oh, my G, oh, my G, right. you know. It's the absence of that kind of talk. Right. Yeah, it right. just, yeah. it's like I've set an agenda, with, or I've set the, the terms without saying anything, and I think the less I say, the better. Well, you've set the terms in such a way that it's also attractive to others, and that's so. what I'm chasing. Well, nobody else says, oh, my stars and garters, <coughs> but the, yeah, and the, the text you you want is Second Corinthians three, midway through, where it says we're we're transformed into the icon of Jesus. Is, is that's that's the text that says that, and it, it's a and I agree with you, and that that too is. I mean, I've said this several times that if we, you know, to have a sense of community and to treat each other, you can't keep people out of church or school when people say. I want to be like that. I want my family like that. I want my friends like that. I want people like that. Which is why it's extraordinarily important for us to live a particular kind of life. It really, really is important. And I hadn't really gone there, but you're because, but because we talk about that so much. But you're absolutely right. The ultimately, more powerful than music, artwork, anything else, is how people love each other. You know, in the early church, remember in the early church they said, um, see how they love one another was the, was the way that they talked about Christians. So I want to go back this way and I'll come back to you. So Somebody I else? What you're saying, I think, is that at least in my church, <coughs> would be um, almost a paradigm shift in the way we look at each other. Anytime someone's like a feel a little bit, oh my God, am I going to give up? The first reaction is, you know, and it shouldn't be. The law is there. The law is there naturally, yeah. and I'm not saying you shouldn't have that adverse reaction. You should have that adverse reaction. We need to manage that reaction, because if you just sort of if you just sort of put that, what happens when you just put put that onto people without really anything more? It's it's the the it's the cleverness of being able to deliver just the right amount, and it takes so little. Most people, if we really believe this, that most people are broken. Most people outside the church are broken. You don't need to break them some more. What you're looking for is an entry to heal them. And there's all sorts of entry points. And, and beauty, in any of its forms, including people, I would suggest to you, is one place that is really sort of broad, you know, just sort of and broadly recognized. And you can, 
parse that any way you like and you can believe it or not. But one of the most fascinating things we've ever seen, we've watched this together. On PBS, have you ever seen this thing with John Cleese where they've done this, the mathematical calculations of facial beauty in every culture across time? That is the most fascinating thing, that if you look at artwork, statuary, if you look at this, there's a mathematical formula for how your face looks and also for bodies. The ratio of, of, of arms to, to, to fingers to arms and across cultures, across times, not just Western art, we have in us this innate, the people that they hold up are always the same. Their, their proportions are always the same. It's fascinating. Well, what? yeah, not Picasso. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, I think there was actually a Picasso in there. It would be interesting. I and mean, it's funny because John Cleese was the one who did it, you know. So it was, it was, it was always interesting to watch. You know, it's only four parts. It was, it, but it, but it's, it's it's yeah. I mean. Time and time again, but not just in Western art, round the world art, and over, over, over centuries. It's fascinating to watch. Anyway, we have this in us. We have this recognition of beauty. And I guess what we're sort of asking is, if you could concentrate not on yourself and making yourself feel good about this, and not about being self-righteous with what you've been given. You know, righteousness is not self-righteousness. Those are distinct things. And God's righteousness is a gracious, gracious, gracious righteousness. It is, it is an alien righteousness that's given to us as a gift. If we start there, if we start with the notion that the law really is mostly there and you just need to do a little bit or even pose a question, right? Okay. And then this exuberance of gospel and at the same time live together as those uh, you know, who love one another or who are icons transformed by the, by the beauty and power of Christ. I just think that life would be different for us. Because I think people would say, I would like to be, why are the Mormons so powerful? Why do they grow so fast? Okay, think of every Mormon family you know. Well, how would you describe them? Really quickly. They're such nice people. They're ordered. All their kids obey. And they also have, among women, for example, the highest suicide rate going. Right? And the high, extraordinarily high rates of depression. And alcoholism. Okay. Yep. So on the outside, everything looks squeaky clean. So why do people join? Because it's squeaky clean. And everybody wants a squeaky clean life. Because we are all, no, we're not squeaky clean. And couldn't we be squeaky clean? Right? And then when you, see? So it is. Now, what, so what you need is really a cosmic beauty. You need a deep beauty, a thoroughgoing, re revealed, divine beauty. But if we could learn to talk about that in a different way, I think we'd just be far better off. And I think all of that starts with, you know, this whole notion of nailing a little bit of Jesus to your doorpost. Just, just can think about that. Yeah, right. Um, on her last day, a Jewish woman came to her and said, you know, She's you Christian know, Reformed. She's this woman is deeply Christian Reformed. Yeah. A co-worker from, oh, oh, oh yeah. Um, Christian, but overtly Christian, and she did have a few, like, Judaism things, but she really carried herself well at work, mm -hmm. very fair person to work for, always demonstrated, you know, her Christianity in that way. I was interesting because a Jewish woman came up to her on her last day and said, I know you believe completely different things, but I've always admired, I, there's something about you that's different than the other people that work here and attractive in right. your very deep way, how you, how you, in everything you do, I see you live this thing that you believe. And then she cried thinking about it, but she really did. I loved working for her because yeah. she always gave me a friendly stuff. Now, we were weirdly, we were Christians, so we had that connection. But, right. Um, I don't know when people talk about
from the outside <laughs> uh, can see something that's very different about you. We might just ponder this because at the end of the day, you know, Christianity is about witness, but I just think we may have gotten, we may have taken a wrong turn. Uh, and it's not that difficult to take a right turn. It really has to do with loving people and being kind to them and um, remembering that the gospel is the gospel and not the law. And Lutherans should be particularly good and we don't need to borrow from somebody else. We do need to get clever and we do need to speak so people can hear. But we do need to live our own lives uh, so that people can see Christ in us. But that would do a lot for, and that takes all the onus off witnessing, I think. Because you're basically just loving people and being kind to them, and especially loving each other. And you're exploring things that have a depth, especially with beauty, that is inexhaustible. Um, so there, then there's always more, and that makes life extraordinarily attractive. Bring it on, baby. Come on, come on. Come on. <laughs> Just looking for a good fight. Turn off the view and have one of your own. Here we go. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. You can't wait till you can't wait like so many other things. You can't be, wait to be a good mom until you have mom and all figured out, right? You got kids and you got to be a mom today, so get busy. And I think in the same way, and you you just play within your confidence. So if the Jehovah's Witnesses show up at your door, all you need to say is, you, to the Jehovah's Witnesses, you could say, all I know is that I'm a damn sinner and that Jesus died for me, and I'm going straight to heaven. How's it going for you? <laughs> and just put a period on the end of that sentence and just sort of, you know, and that can be the end of it. You know, so I think you just need, I think this is much more about sort of comfort and cleverness. And I don't mean clever being like, like witty clever. I mean the cleverness of being able to sort of size up the situation and figure out what thing is going to, and now here's got to be the goal. Open other people to Christ. The first thing I tell every vicar here is speak so they can hear. You have to speak. Everybody comes out and they, 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 have a, they have a calculated way they're going to speak, which is you're, you go to seminary and you sit in class 12 hours a day for two years. You can't even, you're not even human anymore. I mean, you can't even talk to people, you know, without like pulling a book off your shelf and reading it. You know, just, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> You know, just, <laughs> oh, boy. don't even do it that way anymore. <laughs> no, I know. Well, the Lutheran, the, the Missouri Senate always slightly late and out of breath, you know. <clears throat> oh, so, so, but, but here's the thing. You have to live within, you have to live within your own competence, but you can't be afraid to live within your own competence. I mean, you're not a perfect wife, despite what Steve says, but never, What? You're not incompetent. See, the point is you're not incompetent. 
And you have to, you have to rethink what competence means. You, there are 99% of Americans would kill for the family that you have. For the spouse you have, for the children, it's true. You want to meet some people? I can introduce you to some people. We should take a field trip today. We should just walk around and talk to people and ask, look at their lives. I mean, most people would like the life, would love to, are you kidding? Still on your first husband. Two healthy kids. Oh, how old are you? Forty. Okay. <laughs> how, many, how many of your friends who are your age, how, what percentage of your friends are your age are still on their first husband? How many, how many, how many, pe how many, how many of your people that you graduated from high school with are still in their first husband? Oh, I have some of my, I went to Atlanta and we have very few, very few. I mean, we could just, we could just sort of keep going. I mean, we could just sort of, just all I'm asking you to do is have a rational look at your life at the same time, which is pretty good. See, I'm trying to say a couple things at one time, which is pretty good. But then I'm also trying to say, but if it could get better in the way that we talk about being an icon of Christ, so that's attractive. And then you sort of learn to just say a few things that would open the door so that people, people look at you and say, I wish I could have a life like that. And, but you don't want to sort of say, well, I have a life like this and you don't. You want to say, well, this is all for you too. I mean, the whole message of Jesus is this is all for you too. Jesus is not exclusionary. I mean, he's inclusive. He wants everybody in and nobody out. He wants everybody back. So what you have to do in witnessing, what you're trying to do is you're trying to, you're trying to wedge the door open. You're trying to make the door wide enough that they can sort of come. You're sort of giving them a peek. And to sort of go up to somebody and say, do you know, do you know, do you know how damnable you actually are? That if you drop dead right now, you're going straight to hell. Do you know that? You know, what sort of reactions does that have in America in the 21st century? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would. Or you, or for younger kids under twenty, anybody who's a pomo under twenty-five, you're going to get. That's just your your opinion, right? Okay. So what you, but but what is attractive? Take twenty-five because what's attractive to them? Stability, beauty. They're interested. They're smart. Contentment. Contentment mystery. You know, try to read what people want and you actually have to deliver. So, so I'm, I'm trying to get you to think about your interactions in a different way. Think about it in a different way. It can't be programmatic, because people are all different. So what you need to do is be a little bit light on your feet, and you need to play just within your capabilities. You don't have to be Gigi. There's only one Gigi. You just need to be yourself, right? There's only one. There's only one like you. Right, exactly, all alone. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, is there are people that you are going to be able to connect with that do contentment. Exactly. Do contentment. Right. And, and, it, and it's the freedom of, of, of having your eyes filled. So it, it, it's the adventure of, so what do you have for me, Lord? Or you might say, you might like my friend Gigi. Exactly. You sort of push things on to the, ne to the next person <laughs> who... Al Lovitch gave, the, gave the same speech in Elders on, on Wednesday night. It was just a brilliant little, he gave this brilliant little riff on how, you know, you do your best with people, and if there's not chemistry, you pass them on to the next person, and they need to take care of them. That's going to be okay because we're all one big community. It was this brilliant little three-minute riff. I'm just like, 
wow, where did that come from? Which is like people just surprise you sometimes with, with sort of the insight they have. Just, just sort of think, of, try to think about it in a different way. Because I think actually witnessing should be a tasteful thing. You're basically, if you have good news, you share it with people all the time. If, you're, if your kids do well, or you, you, know, you went on a great trip, or you've read a great book, or you've seen a great, you know, easily you tell people about that, right? Easily. But when it comes to this, somehow we get all bound up. And then you have to ask the question, why are we all bound up? Because we don't really understand the gospel. Because we much more, because we, we sense it as a deliverance. We, we have the sense that it's a delivery of judgment rather than a delivery of gift, of grace. It, there, yes, there is some judgment. I mean, grace itself implies that you need to be moved from one place to another. But it's all about grace. It's all about kindness. It's all about love. It's all about people being engaged. It's all about being kind. It's about, it's about living the Christological life. The sacramental life, the incarnational life, icons of Jesus Christ. That is, I mean, at the end of the day, you probably said the best thing, because that's the that's the end point of all of this. We're trying, that's where people are trying to move to, right? Just just think about that. And and we should probably talk more about this someday. You know, in your church sometimes I read your book, I thought Miss Ma told me what God ended like, oh that's what she's gonna end this whole thing? After I've been weeping from page to page and then it just ends with that weird story. And then you realize upon Yeah, right. book, you go, that's how she's going to end this? Just the ordinary apartment? But then I thought, that's actually, this is the whole crux of the book, making yeah. the ordinary extraordinary. That's and, right. And, or I should say how Christ makes the ordinary extraordinary. Yeah. In all these examples, mourning, community, food, hospitality, it's actually Christ that takes these ordinary things. That's right. That's right. All right, well, thanks for the time. Um, you should go in the evenings if you need some place to go. This will be fun. And, uh, you know, we're, we've gone long. So we should probably pray, and then you can do it every what. Okay? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All right, thanks.